0: Welcome to The Numb Podcast. I'm Charles Chapin. It's the season finale. How will it end? What's the cliffhanger for next season? To have you tuned in? Will the star be replaced? The latter is probably not that likely. Um, highly unlikely. So I think you're stuck with me. So you may be listening to this as you're driving for the holidays to see family, or maybe you're flying to see family, or maybe you're flying to get away from family. <laughs> uh if you're flying, you could be standing in line at uh, at security. I'll be doing that too. I always seem to be around people in security that, that like they've lived under a rock for the last 20 years. You know, they're always in front of me. Even if, you know, for, for Americans, you know, I have the TSA pre-check, but there's still people that, I just want to say, where have you been? You know, the, they're standing there and saying, well, what do you mean I can't take my Christmas machete onto the plane. It's been in our family for generations. Like, where have you been? It always reminds me, too, of the, when they ask for your ID, it reminds me of the Norm McDonald bit. You know, ID, you know, the worst abbreviation ever, you know, where I stands for I, and D stands for, apparently, identification. <laughs> oh, miss Norm MacDonald. You know, the other part about the, about the holidays, of course, is the Hallmark Christmas movies, which are kind of fascinating in some regard. Um, there's a couple of pieces out. You could Google them in different different outlets talking about you know. First of all, that a lot of people are watching them, and I think they started Labor Day. They're on for months. And if you're not familiar with them, the the plot tends to be the same for each one. Of uh, somebody has a you know a high-paying job or they're, they're striving to get to the top of the big city. It's usually in New York or D.C. They could be in L.A. too. Um, and they go home. And um, through that time at home, because they're you know working at the family candy cane factory or the family mistletoe farm or whatever bizarre place, I don't know how these businesses possibly stay afloat. I mean, what do they do in July? Anyway, and they, you know, see the light that they they don't need to climb that corporate ladder. Um, they need to be here with their in-shape high school flame that's still there working at the a holly factory or whatever it might be. And you know, the psychology of that is that People identify with the person in the city, right that has or, or that has left their family or left their their kind of uh, um, familiar network to pursue a career, or pursue school, or whatever it might be. So a lot of people identify with it, and it is kind of like an element of comfort food if you think about it, right? You don't really have to think that hard. To keep up with the plot, <laughs> um, and it just it goes on forever. I mean, it's on for twenty four hours. So, uh, lots of reasons why we just identify that as kind of like the it's kind of the mashed potatoes of our uh, of our viewing and whatnot. And I've watched a few. I have seen a few. I have to admit. Uh, and there, there is always, you know, the law of. <laughs> The, the law of mistletoe is like binding in these places. Like if you're standing under mistletoe, it's like a big deal. There's always a look on their faces like, oh, well, we have to obey this. We just, we have to. Uh, I'm, I'm that way with certain types of whiskey, but that's a whole separate conversation. Uh, but they're kind of fun. So I don't, I won't take too many shots at them, but nevertheless. Uh, a couple of things. So, The first thing that I wanted to talk about outside of that is uh, digital fatigue. You know, we are, this pandemic rolls on and on with different variants and even places that were thinking about Rio offices in particular that were thinking about reopening in January are now pausing that Um, and it seems as if, the if you're vaccinated, it seems like it's going to help with these variants. We seem to be optimistic about that, but it just rolls on and on, and we're still living in this kind of Zoom life. Conferences that are in person, many of which are this year have been have been online, um, and many are planning to be online for 2022. Um, lots of interesting data regarding online dating apps and just high levels of usage and people may be feeling like they're spinning their wheels. Uh, we talk about online dating apps in, um, in a previous episode. Um, I, I, oh, and there's interesting CDC data. I should mention that too, you know, that, and this is a few months old, but 33% of Americans have been feeling anxiety since, since the pandemic. Um and we talk a lot about this. I mean, we've talked a lot about it over the over, over this over this season of the Numb Podcast, which is the first season. But the one thing I've been thinking about is, you know, all of these data regarding people wanting to work from home. And I'm one of those people that like to work from home too. But the one thing that I've been really cogitating is the notion of working from home. As it relates to loneliness, and I write about loneliness. Uh, Linda Bloom was on for an episode of "I'm Lonely." She was fantastic in that episode. If you haven't, if you haven't heard that that one, I highly recommend it. I just wonder, and this is purely a wonderment. I, I just wonder if we have to be careful what we wish for. That you know, if we're feeling elements of isolation. And maybe we're not, you know, and even in that episode, it's one of the hardest things for people to even admit to themselves is that they're lonely. So my wonderment, what I wonder is, employers, there's a there's a huge labor shortage, particularly here in the States and, and parts of Europe as well. And employers are... Saying, you know, okay, you can work from home. We're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to bend on this because we need people. We want to retain people and we need to hire people and whatever. And I just wonder what the implications of that as it relates to not productivity. You know, that conversation, I, I, I find that conversation to be a little tiresome. You know, we've been doing it for a year and nine months. You know whether your company or organization is being productive by now if you know you were working for home for even a year, if your if your office was closed and you were working remotely for a year, you have that. Like, you know what's working and what's not. So I, I have a hard time with that productivity notion. I mean, the same distractions going off on a tangent. I'll get out of it. The same distractions that people have with their phone and with email, they're having at home and they're having in the office. And so I, I just really, I, I just find that to be a very tired and outdated argument that, you know, well, I think people are more productive in the office than they are at home. Well, you've got a year of data to look at. If you've got individuals that are, that you know, the productivity has gone down, then figure it out, talk to them or whatever. But I'm thinking about it from the perspective of isolation. We haven't A relatively isolated public, even before the pandemic, certainly more since. And working remotely, I don't know is going to help that. Uh, I have no data that I'm presenting here today regarding this topic. Um, But my two cents, for what it's worth, is I just think we have to be mindful of our level of isolation going forward. And 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 speaking as a person who likes working from home, it seems to me that if that's something that you opt to do, you know, it might make sense to have some other body or some other group to be a part of. You know, joining a book club, or attending your church or synagogue or mosque in person, so that you're you're physically with something or someone or some group that's kind of larger than you, and you're around other people on a semi-regular basis. It's for some people, maybe you know, you could be around people all the time and you're just tired of them. And working from home is not going to change that. But I think there's at least a significant number of people that at least need to be sensitive to. Um, this element of isolation. And it'll be interesting to see what research comes out in the next 18 months about this notion of isolation and working from home from a mental health perspective. So as we get to the end of the year, I want to talk about reflection. Um, There's a great book, and it's decades old by a researcher named Donald Schoen. Donald Schoen wrote a book called The Reflective Practitioner. And it's a really important book for, well, for practitioners, <laughs> uh, for practitioner-based professions. I come at it from an education perspective, education psychology perspective, and there's other practitioner-based professions um, where it's really, really important. I think about um, my experience in financial services or even thinking about um, I would, it would be applicable to medicine and whatnot. And he defined, Donald Schoen defined two different types of reflection. And they're really simple. There's reflection in action and reflection on action. And reflection in action is basically while you're doing something, you're reflecting on essentially, is this working or is it not, right? I'm talking to someone i'm I'm talking with a client, and their reactions are not good. I see it in their facial expressions. I might even see it verbally or in their body language. or I'm teaching a class online or in person, and i'm talk I'm going through this very difficult topic, and I can see that there's something's not right. They're not getting this. And so if I'm reflecting in action, I'm thinking about, okay, how am I going to pivot here to make this work? And I may be reflecting or thinking back on other tools or strategies that I've used to be successful in this situation, or I could be reflecting upon tools or strategies I used where I wasn't successful in this situation. Reflection on action happens after the fact. You do something, and then you're thinking about, okay, How did that go? And sometimes it's a little tougher because you don't always remember everything. Um, There's great research um, on pilots. And it's really difficult to ask a pilot after a flight, how did it go? Because pilots tend to be, the, the term is ahead of the flight. So they're thinking ahead of where they are they're trying to anticipate things that are happening and unless there's a huge deviation something happens that's big that's unexpected there's a higher likelihood that they're not going to remember it and you probably have had that experience too maybe you have given an important talk and it was longer than you know 7 minutes it's a you know 20 minute talk that you're giving if somebody asks you how did it go, there's components of that that you will remember. Like if somebody, I don't know, somebody's phone rang a million times, which has happened to me, uh, you will remember that, You know, a huge deviation. But the intricacies, or maybe you stumbled over a word, those smaller things, you've, you're not necessarily going to remember that because maybe you're anticipating what you're thinking. Maybe if you're an experienced speaker, your attention is not on the talk that you've given because you've given it so many times. Your attention is actually on the audience. You're watching what I just talked about with the class or the client or the patient. What's, what's their reaction to this? How's this going? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to open it up for discussion or whatever? So because your attention is focused on what you're going to say or on your audience, as soon as it was done, if somebody says, so tell me how it went, you're probably going to say, eh, it went okay. Or you might say, I ran out of time. You would talk about something like that. Um, or you might say, it was a terrible class, terrible audience. Uh, where did they find these people? <laughs> um, so those are the two types of of reflection, on action and in action. So as we, th- I, I bring that up, I think about how we're reflecting on the end of the year and what went well and what didn't. And You know, there's two components to the podcast that we did, or two episodes, I should say, of the podcast that we did this year that I think are particularly relevant as we think about the new year. So, Wendy Wood from USC, who wrote a great book, Good Habits, Bad Habits. If you remember, she talked about, as you're thinking about a New Year's resolution, she talked about, you know, that people that are fit, for example, don't necessarily have more resolve or willpower or are just better people than people that aren't necessarily, but they live closer to a park or they live closer to a gym. And if you remember, she cited data on how many times people go to the gym based upon their proximity to the gym. If you're closer, there's a higher likelihood you're going to go. If you're 15 miles away, and it's January in Minnesota. I lived in Minnesota in January. One year, that's all I could handle. Wonderful place, but it's cold. You're likely not to go as often, right? It's more difficult. And that gets into this element of thinking about friction, right? So we had how Hirschfield was on. I'm not reviewing all the episodes, don't worry. That's not what this is. It's not like one of those flashback episodes of you know, from an 80s or 90s sitcom. I'm not doing that. I just want to bring up a couple of points. Uh, Hal Hirschfield from UCLA, I have all these LA schools I'm mentioning, talked about this idea of friction, right? And that was in the instant gratification episode. So we can make things frictionless. Amazon does a great job of making things frictionless to buy stuff, right? It's easy to do because that's what they want you to do. They want you to buy more. So how could we make... The resolutions that we have, whether it's fitness, whether it's, it might be time with family. How do we make that frictionless? How do we set ourselves up for doing whatever it is that we want to do? And I really love how Wendy Wood talked about that idea of take the person out of it. I'm not necessarily quoting her, but this idea that you have to set yourself up, you create an environment that's going to be consistent with whatever goals that you have. That's the same thing we talk about with, in, um, with, the, with social media and with our smartphones. If you want to get off of it, set up an environment so that it's not there or put time you know, on your calendar where you're not going to be connected, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes. Um, so as you're thinking about New Year's resolutions... Um. don't forget to think about the environment that you're creating to set that up. That, to me, is the bigger step. Now, am I suggesting that you need to move so you're closer to a gym or a park? Not necessarily. But maybe you can do things to have fitness closer. Um, I bought a treadmill. Completely irrelevant story. I bought a treadmill um, the week that things closed down for the pandemic um and so that made my running well that's not true I actually bought the bought it the second week things closed down for the pandemic because in my building there's a gym and the first week after the pandemic they closed the gym but they didn't lock it and so I was sneaking in and running on the treadmill until finally they, they actually put police tape up um and I know that was meant for me. <laughs> Nevertheless. So I bought a treadmill so that the running could be frictionless for me. And it may not be that big for you. It could be buying some of those cables that you put on the door. Or it could be you know, going onto your iPhone and counting. You know, the health apps are really great to count the number of steps that you have and put goals and monitor it every day. Don't be obsessive about it, but monitor it every day. That changes behaviors in a good way. So as you think about again, as you think about New Year's resolutions, I hope you think about that environment um, that creates success within that. With for those New Year's resolutions. Before we go, I should mention, by the way, hey band, you got you, you guys know what time of year it is? What time? What? What? Christmas time. What? Oh, Christmas time. You guys, all you guys been good and practicing real hard? Yeah. Clarence, you been? You been rehearsing real hard now? So Santa will bring you a new saxophone? Everyone out there been good or what? Oh, that's not many. Not many you guys are in trouble out there. That's, of course, Bruce Springsteen. Santa Claus is coming to town. A reminder, you can get the NUM podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or wherever you get the podcast. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, I hope you'll leave a review. We get lots and lots of downloads, which I'm really happy. We don't get a lot of comments. So I would love to, if you've got, particularly if you have something positive to say, would love to. I would love for you to share it. I should mention that the uh, NUM podcast, the audio engineer for the NUM podcast is Tim Dolbear, and the music is performed Written and performed by the great, and he still is the great, Jim Trevito. I have one email I want to share, and it's from Joseph. Uh, he's in Clearfield, Pennsylvania. I know where Clearfield, Pennsylvania is. Uh, it is smack dab in the middle, of the, close to smack dab in the middle of the state. And he says, I love the book. I've listened to all of the podcast episodes. Thank you, Joseph. And wonder where you sit politically. I know you said you do not want to share. Well, then why are you asking? Uh, <laughs> but I think it is important for us to know. Thanks for a great book and keep the podcast going. Well, we talked about this. Uh, I don't know why it would be important for you to know that. I mean, I just don't. First of all, I don't have anything smart to say necessarily about politics. You can ask my friends. I don't. Um, and it's not relevant. Um, at the risk of repeating myself. I, I, it doesn't matter, you know, and what we're doing, particularly in the work that we're doing together with the podcast and the book, it is about the information that we're getting, our management of our information, the management of our devices so that we have, that we're better informed, we're more productive, we're having more authentic experiences and whatever. Where I sit politically doesn't matter where you sit politically doesn't matter either. Um we it it just it just seems irrelevant. But I do appreciate the pod uh appreciate appreciate the email, Joseph. Um but I'm not telling. How's that? Uh (laughs) but I will keep the podcast going. I want to thank everybody for listening and downloading. I, I do this because I just think it's it's important information. I try to do it in a way that I'm not selling the book, that people just feel like I'm selling the book every week and it's in their face. I really work hard not to do that. Uh, so hopefully you don't feel that way. But all of this is done, hopefully to help people in what's really overwhelming, an overwhelming um, information age that we live in. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, to, to uh, speaking and engaging with everybody in the new year. And remember... If you're not where you are, you're nowhere. See you later.